Pursuit of Podcast, a purely guest-centric show focusing on people and organizations that advance positive change. Positivity can be anywhere, and in a time of vast discord, the pursuit of is finding those who champion its causes loudest. Join us as we sit and learn about the pursuits of local leaders in their community. Let's go. Hello, good people, and welcome to the Pursuit of Podcast. Where it's truly not us, it's you. I'm Ryan Buck, Artist Development, New Leonard Media. With me is the boss, Mark Wilson, President, New Leonard Media. How hey, are you? Hey, Ryan. How you doing? I'm Good well. Good to see you. Good yeah, to see you. Yeah. No, that's enough no. of that. So our guest today is Jeff Streit, Board of Directors President for Homestretch Nonprofit Housing Corporation. How are you? Good. Thank you guys for inviting me on today. I'm excited to be in the studio. Thank you for being here. So uh, for those who are unaware... What does Homestretch Housing do here in Traverse City? So Homestretch Nonprofit Housing Corporation, and instead of you know the whole verbiage, I'm just going to call it Homestretch from, from here on out. That's okay. okay Homestretch we'll is a uh, 501c3 nonprofit housing corporation. So we are a developer of low to moderate income housing. We are a landlord of low to moderate income housing. Um, and we are kind of what I would say an advocate for affordable housing in the northwestern region of Michigan. So our main primary focus has historically been Grand Traverse County, although we have a pretty strong presence in Leelanau County. Uh, we're in Benzie County as well, Manistee County, Antrim County. Basically, if there is a housing need that we can fit as long as it makes sense, and makes sense means a whole lot of things. We're interested. So, uh, Homestretch has been around roughly 25, 30 years. And, and how long have you been serving? I joined the board, I believe, about five years ago. Wow. The organization had fallen on some tough times. There was a what's called a low-income housing tax credit project that the organization was involved in. That project drained a lot of financial and human resource out of the organization. The executive director at that time was kind of forced to resign by MISHTA, which is Michigan State Housing Development Association, right. which is a, a funding and resource partner for us. And the organization Homestretch was being operated by Grand Traverse County at the time. Specifically, none other than Mean Jean Dorenzi. I don't know if she wants that nickname, but I, I love that. I love that woman. She had asked if I was interested to join the board. I said no. I will go to a meeting and listen. And then I spoke up. And then uh, a couple months later, I found myself uh, as the president of the board. So, wow, yeah. good meeting. No, just sometimes you just got to <laughs> shut up, but sometimes you don't. So it's about what you don't <laughs> say sometimes, rather than what you do say. Correct. Wow. So two key programs, one of which is a home ownership program. In order to do that, you receive assistance through special loans and grants, correct? So that's correct. part of it. So our home ownership program is really kind of a hand up kind of program. So I mean it is a helping hand, but the idea is to we're kind of pulling somebody up to something they normally wouldn't be able to afford. Um, so if you think about building a house and let's pretend this house costs $200,000 to build, but a person who makes, you know, 12 to $15 an hour can really only afford a house for 125,000. Right. Well, in Grand Traverse County, 
that eliminates probably about 90% of the housing options other than some really beat up it's homes. It's a significant number. So we have to bridge that gap. So in the home ownership program, home stretch looks to find what I like to call the funny money. So it's not you know, it's not necessarily our money. It might be government money from Mishta. It might be some money from the county. It might be some money from, say, Rotary Charities. It, there's a lot of avenues right. that will help we'll find the resources. We so, help find yeah. the resource on the front end of the entire development and bake that in to the project and say, okay, this home that would normally sell market rate for two hundred, we're going to sell it for one hundred and twenty-five to people that fit a certain criteria of. Income and that those income tables are published by Mishta every year, and so then we try to help somebody that is of lesser means step into a home that they would otherwise not be able to afford. One of the th- features that I find pretty interesting about it is we have what's called a fifteen-year affordability clause. So, you know, we used to have these ninety-nine-year affordability clauses. So if I whatever happened, the the house would always have to stay affordable on the home ownership side for ninety nine years. Well, that's okay, but if I'm in a house that I really can't make any money off of if I sell because that affordability clause would cap gains, then I'm really just a, a sexy renter for a long period right. of time. And so after a couple of years of really looking at it, you know, we don't necessarily allow the person that owns it to ch- capture all the equity. But after 15 years, if they've lived there that entire time and then they go to sell it, we remove that affordability component. And there's a step down basis. But what it does is that, you know, that single parent with three kids that was really never going to grow wealth in this country, which mm-hmm. homeownership has historically been a path to it. You know, they're now in the the program. You yeah. know, they're in. They're able to, you know, generate some dollars for themselves later on in life by, you know, some amount of medium-term sacrifice. And there is a process. There is a criteria. Correct. Specifically on the website, so you know if you're in the realm. To... You would know on the front end if you're in the realm. In, in Grand Traverse County, and I'm going off of memory, a family of four would be roughly a, a, an income of under 50000 or 45000 somewhere there. So if you think about it, that's a, a, a single parent with three kids. That's yeah. a, you know— a, a stay-at-home mom with a husband that works kind of tough jobs with two kids. And right. that's a lot of people. So for somebody who's maybe not as informed, on the surface, you can look at this and look at a movie like The Big Short and be like, how is this different? Sure. So, and I, and I saw The Big Short a number of years ago. And so that has a lot to do with people that could get mortgages that couldn't afford those mortgages. So that was hype, speculation, and an overabundance of what I would consider liquidity-chasing assets that aren't liquid. So a house, I can't go sell a house tomorrow, right? I mean, I can, but it's not like I can go take it and get cash tomorrow, right? Right. Where it's like if I sell a stock or a bond or some of these things that have a market for them, I can go get cash. Well, you had all this cash chasing housing, and that drove up the prices, and then at the end, like nobody really cared because they were just waiting for housing to keep going up. Yeah. So it's like, here's right. a loan, here's a loan. What we do is we one make it affordable. We are looking at, you know, we're looking at your income, we're looking at your historical, you know, ability to earn, and we're not letting people get into something they can't afford because we're bringing the price down to something we know your housing cost is going to be limited of thirty percent of your take home pay or something. Right. So historically that ratio will allow a person to be safe financially from 
you know, they're still going to have hardships because and there's, you know, their car will break down or, you know, a kid gets sick or a, a water heater blows. But, you know, when you're not spending, you know, 50 and 60, 70 percent of your money on housing, you get a little more wiggle right. room. Yeah. And, you know, people making a family making living off of 40,000, any little bit of stress can put these people over the sure. edge. So the big short. You know, we're definitely not approving everyone that that could be like, I, I want a home, and you're like, oh, cool, you just, you know, sure, have just one. in case people are are, are not understanding that sure. there are differences here. So you went to MSU, you studied finance, and go economics. green, go white, yeah, baby. And not being from here, I have no uh, partiality to that point. Hooray, Michigan! <laughs> but you know, given your academic pursuits and what you do as a as a day job because we're not talking about your day job this is something that you spend time uh, your own time with is that a, a pretty good path to being successful on a board like this as a financial um, and economic background it doesn't hurt me so the financial and economic background led me to you know wanting to like be a wall street employee you know work on wall street work in that business but life changes kind of threw me curveballs, and I ended up at, in a bank, which was is great, and you know now a credit union. Everything's gone well professionally, and so a financial background can be helpful on any board. The banking, finance, and economics helps because I, I'm exposed to a lot of housing and real estate in, in, within my career, so that helps translate into a nonprofit housing corporation. However, we have board members with a legal background. We have board members that are, you know, have been realtors. We have board members with a history in grant writing. So, like, they their history was just working in the nonprofit sector. Right. Um, one of the board members that you know what used to be on the board, uh, a woman by the name of Sarah Lucas was was kind of my housing hero. Like, she would be known in the area. There was a. Um, Networks Northwest would put on these large conferences every year, and she would be kind of the MC. Um, that kind of transitioned her into a role in Housing North, but she was the board president before I joined, and, and it, just someone who is passionate about helping underserved people. And, and I had served on other boards and commissions in the past, but kind of meeting the more nonprofit-sided people was a very cool thing for me and an experience where it opened up my kind of um, vision to say like, oh, you know what? The people that just want to help people are, you know, they're very valuable board members. Yeah. We've also had, you know, some yeah. large private employers that the proprietor was on the board because they have a skin in the game of housing in our region. So Absolutely. it, it well, doesn't hurt me. But also with the board, you know, that it's meant to be interdisciplinarian. Correct. You know? And I think a, a good board is an eclectic mix of different perspectives it is Which a, seems to be the case for you. You do not want groupthink. I mean, I've been on boards that everyone is the same, you know, cut of the same cloth, essentially. And some people have a very tough time dealing with opposing viewpoints. Um, some boards can be, you know, very push or pull. But when you have people of a variety of backgrounds, I mean, it's just like diversity in the workplace. Yeah. You know, the more of it, the richer we all are going to be. And knowing that you all want the same thing. And hopefully personal agendas don't make their way at, to that board and meeting. And bring toxicity to the board yeah. right. when you don't like somebody's idea and later on now they don't like your idea because you didn't like theirs. Right. I, I think 
dialogue is huge trying <laughs> yep. to find understanding and it does teach people how to you know board service or you know community service in general it teaches us how to deal with things that aren't necessarily in our normal wheelhouse right so homestretch also offers a rental program correct correct and so how does that work so similar to the the home ownership program we have income qualifications so we look you, you have to be you know but we usually offer housing between 60 and 80% of AMI. AMI is area median income. And so some of the very low end, you know, we have very subsidized housing on the very low end. So people with disabilities that are at 20 and 40% of AMI. So these are people that don't work and they get the social security check of 1200 a month. Well, 14,000 a year is not going to go that far. So there are organizations in our region. Goodwill helps work with them. There's a couple of other ones, and they work with what I would call the the impoverished, where we're working more with that working poor or, you know, the term now is the missing middle, right? So right. it's like the lower middle class that can see a route, but they just can't get I've there. I've noticed a, a change in nomenclature, working poor is not the, the phrase come anymore. come off derogatory. Right? So now it's the missing middle. And, and not it's, like we're trying to, to tap dance with words, but... Correct. And, and so we look at a technical number that's published through HUD to MISHTA. So HUD, the Housing Urban Development from the federal government, goes to these state governments and say, here's kind of the housing guidelines. And then those housing associations in, 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 in Michigan, it's MISHTA, they will publish a table that has a homeownership AMI table and a rental AMI table. So we'll focus on that 60 to 80% AMI. We've had other ones that go up to 100% AMI because in all honesty, our region, it seems like the table hasn't caught up. So a family of four in Grand Traverse County living off of $50,000, it's just not that feasible. The, the housing costs, the taxes, the, you know, the accoutrement of just going outside. Are you outside. working with building owners to, to help so with their housing? So we rent buildings we've developed. So we are more than happy to work with owners. We don't property manage for other people. So what we do is we will go into a project looking to make it affordable. And like I said before, there's funny money to help us do that. There's, you know, historically Mishta had what was called home funds, other charitable organizations that want to tackle housing. They would look to us to be possibly a conduit for that money to help. I mean, to build a house, whether we build it or another like a for-profit local builder, the the materials are going to cost the same. We're going to pay the same guys doing drywall. We're going to pay the same guys laying flooring. So the cost to build a house is the same, but we want to be able to offer it at a cheaper amount, and we're willing to take a skinny rate of return. You know, we've got to protect our investment, but we don't have to do much more than that. So we don't need a huge profit, but to even make it affordable is we have to really buy down that cost. And a way to do that is, you know, obviously charitable or grant funds. A huge way to do that is what's called the LIHTC program, Low Income Housing Tax Credit. And that program essentially gives the developer a giant fee based on these tax credits to incentivize you to build this affordable housing mm-hmm. and you keep it affordable for 15 or 30 years. But this giant fee basically gives you a bunch of profit today. And then the housing cost is bought down because these tax credits are essentially sold to other investors. And that money comes in and instead of the how the, the apartment costing 
it still costs three million, but now we have like a million five of tax credits. So now we're really only floating the debt on half of it, which then it's like, oh, now we can open it up to people that can afford it. And sure. so those tax yeah. credits are provided by the federal government. And this will be our most so, cerebral episode uh, thus far. I think the liquidity line is going to go down in history. That's going to be a, a, a game changer for us. Oh, boy. You know, and not to be lost, who has access to something like that? So essentially everybody to be a developer, but not really. So it's like there are for-profit LIHTC developers, and there's non-profit LIHTC developers. We've done a couple LIHTC projects. We do not hold ourselves out as, like, the only one. And in all honesty, the next ones we would look to do, we would look to partner with a more experienced for-profit developer because you're filling out government forms. Yeah. And, and it sounds easy. But I was gonna. Not. I was gonna ask a question about Go that. Ahead. So these other organizations with the funding money, sure, they look to you to help direct traffic, so, so that they know that it's going to the right place. They Is would say, "Hey, we want to do something to impact housing," and we would say, "Hey, we're a nonprofit housing developer." So yeah. as a developer, we're the landowner. We're also the general contractor. So we go in and general contract the build. We build it. You know, our subs yeah. they build it, and then we own and operate it. But that uh, funny money would be to ensure that that housing is affordable. And then so the builder, those working, have to have a specific accreditation or certification to do this or no? Like, no, not the trade. The tradespeople are, don't. Are they required to pay uh, Davis-Bacon prevailing wages? In certain regions, they are in Michigan. So certain LIHTC deals have prevailing wages. So a Detroit deal, a Southeast yeah. Michigan deal, some of the Grand Rapids ones. But those get fit into the bid. So actually that's Correct. good for like trades workers in the area sure. that when right. you're doing this, because you're going to get paid well to build an affordable housing thing that. And then to back up to where you said the missing middle, the people who can see the light at the end of the tunnel, but aren't quite there. Sure. Confirm if this is like the correct analogy, if I make it personal for a moment. So I finished school. I had a, but I had a young child. I had a baby and I was single. Preach baby. And I, <laughs> I got a job. And I in in my field, and I was working, and after my first year, I got a raise. Okay, and that raise was just enough to put me over the hump for uh, daycare assistance. So I got booted off of that. Sure, but the raise wasn't enough to cover that difference. So right. like it actually would have been better for me to ask to stay to, to poor not, essentially. Yeah, yeah. But I did find an organization, I'll shout out to Michigan Four Cs. It was a one time, one year grant. Okay. For people in my situation sure. that covered it. And then the following year when I got a raise again, then, so then I that was would be able to person that might fit the bill because they may be below where we'd even target. That person might be a forty percent AMI, so they're going to have you know a specific kind of housing provider, and maybe they could be the missing middle. What a lot of it tends to be is people that never were on the assistance, that yeah. you know now they're stuck in a job that's paying thirty two thousand dollars a year, thirty eight thousand dollars a year, and it's a consistent job. They might enjoy it. They may not have any skills to better themselves or get more money essentially for their labor. Okay. And so what we find is you do get a lot of people that have this consistent employment or in a field that just doesn't pay a lot. Like journalism, for example. Like you might have someone that's been working at a news station for 10 years. They love their job because they're on TV and it's a lot of fun, but 
a regional news person in Traverse City, Michigan, is they're not making huge banks. They're not so making Ron Burgundy money. They're not making Ron Burgundy cash. And so they're, you know, probably making maybe 30 some thousand a year. And if they've got a kid, the area media income tables really start making sense when you have kids. And there are situations where there's a single person that might make, you know, $35,000 a year and they fit that bill and they can buy or rent a house, which is great because as they get older, they've locked in. But it also yeah. doesn't force them to necessarily have to do a job that they hate. So okay. I don't know if that answers your missing middle question. Well, yeah, it helps them so that they're not called it the uh, golden handcuffs. Right. Correct. Where, where you're doing one thing, but you can't ever explore anything else because you can't afford the pain cut afford that it. it'll take. Yeah. Well, and, and to your point, it, the missing middle is somewhat the people that they make too much to get assistance from the traditional yeah, sense, yeah. but they don't make enough to like make a life. Yeah. And so that's a huge swath of America. It's a huge swath of Michigan. And unfortunately, it's growing. Yep. That's not shrinking. And so you are here to help people like that to start to create wealth. In owning a home, there's a point of pride. You mentioned it can be a bummer and your car can break down, your siding can start to fall off. But at the end of the day, you have a home and you're raising your family or whatever. Siding stays on. Quality built. Oh yeah, that's right. And that leads me to I don't want to be lost on the notion that you, you are building homes. We're building not... homes, we're building townhomes, we're building apartments, and these are quality builds. Yeah. For example, in Traverse City, something you can see and well, if you knock on the door, maybe a homeowner will let you in. So by the filling station on Woodmere, there's a development that has these little homes. And then there's these townhome condominiums they yeah. look like. So Home Stretch partnered with Habitat. Habitat did all the single family like tiny builds. Like wow. they're other they're regular size home, but it's it, that's mm-hmm. a neighborhood. And Habitat, they have a different business model. Dude, I love that little community too. Yeah. If you know what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And so those those this newer is... looking townhomes, Home Stretch built those in two phases. Um, I believe that was sixteen units. We did eight and eight. So it took a long time, and that was the first project that I was a part of because that was the deal that like blew up the organization prior to the board reforming. I love to point that out because it's a new and it's a modern-looking piece of property. It's well-maintained, and the quality of construction was sound. That's awesome. Wow. So you've been in finance since 2005-ish. I think so. I think yeah. about that. Oh, God. And I'm feeling old now. In your current role at Forefront Credit Union, is it accurate to say that you specialize in working with small business owners that have a story to tell? Always. So what's a good story to tell? Right now? Oof, that's tough. I mean, it's tough because Michigan has had a real tough COVID time. Death rates, I, I get all that, infections. The challenge is our state where we live is completely different than where the politicians, the policymakers, and, you know, the majority of wealth in this state is. But we are dealing with the policies of people four hours away, three and a half hours away, three hours away, whatever way you want to take the freeway. The good stories are that our region from a housing standpoint, and if you're in real estate as like an investor or you know, a landlord, it's been wonderful. I mean, people are flocking here. They want to be here. And this is a beautiful area to live. So our, our, you know, our downtown retailers, some of them have had some tougher, you know, some better years than this. And some of them are surviving. Um, I feel for all the businesses that have shuttered or have had to make real tough sacrifices and changes. 
for every you know really sad story right now in northern Michigan, there's a really exciting story of you know somebody who figured out a different way to do something. I look in our area of you know, um, for example, all the distilleries day one got into making hand right, sanitizer, hand sanitizer. <laughs> which was cool, and they were all giving it away to start, and they figured out a way to make some money. But it was like, hey, we're not making any money from tasting rooms. We got to figure this out and you know shame on the government for then sending them a bill which i know has kind of been worked through yeah, but yeah, right so you've got some really exciting stories like that you've seen you know one of my favorites and i'll give him a shout out um common good bakery on 14th street you know it's a bakery it's excellent baked goods but right. what would they do in covid people can still like purchase but when stores weren't allowed to open they switched to curbside only and so what they did is they moved all their product to the front which already had windows and employed an online ordering app and you put your car color in, you pull up, they come right out. So there was no handling of money. Right. Everything was online. And then they also started selling, you know, remember the, the toilet paper scare of 2020? <laughs> so, Gosh, well, so a lot of which people was probably crazy. still with pallets of it. So they were yeah. selling, you know, their orders from what, whether it was Cisco or GFS or their big supplier. So you could get on their online ordering, you know, you could order a croissant, a breakfast sandwich, and a 96-roll case of toilet paper. Or you could buy one roll of toilet paper at a time. And he was never running out because he had the commercial line coming through. Right. You could buy a case, um, a flat of eggs, where normally, like, you know, you'd go to the store for those couple weeks or, you know, get online. There's mm -hmm. no eggs. There's no cheese. There's no butter. He was selling staples. And so he innovated and found a really great way to stay open and be, actually have a pretty and, successful And it's all, all legit, correct? Oh, the toilet paper wipes my butt as good as any toilet paper. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's all legit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's nothing that precludes him from selling that based on being a bakery. Correct. Or... You know, he talked to his supplier and he just he innovated in a way that was at that time was opportune. And the people are already coming there. So it's like, well, why don't I pick up a roll of toilet paper for a dollar, which is like, OK, yeah, that might be expensive for. Now, you know, what's funny is like pre-COVID. A free roll of toilet paper with something that you're eating would be hilarious. Would be like I think that say would be great <laughs> under just normal circumstances. <laughs> I guess it doesn't say much about you know what they think is going to happen after you eat it, but you know. Yeah. So there was a lot of fun stories, and there's a lot of success of of, and well, I love people a lot with of stories, innovation, and agility, and, and, and resilience. Resilience. And we're and we're Michiganders, Michiganians. I don't know what, what the word is. I know it's Ooh. the last Ga governor. Ganders. We call this the Ganders? Michiganders. I know that people in general are resilient, and they will do their best to get through times, and they're going to keep trying. And it's it's tough because I you know I'm not a I, I guess in some of the legislation you know people in banks are considered credit unions are considered frontline workers. I don't see myself as that because I'm you know I'm not saving lives. But I look at people and I'm like, man, I wish, you know, our politicians could see the people suffering in the way they do and watching decades of their life poured into it. If it's okay to point out, go ahead. Like, you, you said you work at for a credit union already, and I happen to know that you've been getting up very early because of the um, passing of the next stimulus and with the PP uh, P round two, yeah, yeah. and. In some ways, people would say that that is saving lives. You're really helping. Also providing Thank shelter, you. which is a basic I human mean, necessity. <laughs> so when the shutdowns happened and the government rolled out these loan programs last time around, 
the kids were at home for you know the what that was when they were doing like 20 minutes a day of online school every other day when the schools kind of didn't have a plan and so they're at home and dad sat at the kitchen table for 13 to 16 hours a day for a while and i'm just like guys here's the story we don't know what's going to happen we're doing our best to help as many people as we can we're not going to help everybody but this is a sacrifice we're making like we don't get to hang out and have fun and go out like i know a lot of people that they had a lot of time to personally grow i just clicked buttons all day and took phone calls and texts and emails and it was stressful and i look back and i'm like it was the right thing to do and i hope it helped a couple people and you know if it's just like when we volunteer to help kids right as long as we make a good you know change one kid's life and you kind of give yourself a pat on the back so we're trying to do our best and yeah. you know we can help so we're going to try is it effective is it the right way to help i mean that's a whole philosophical conversation but with the resources we have we're doing our best and you know affordable housing is such an issue here and i think has been for a long time yeah so in your estimation is this an issue that can be progressively helped or is it just kind of fingers in an endlessly cracked dam that hopefully will hold well from a long-term perspective, and I'm talking 20 to 50 years, my belief is inherently that the market itself will help solve some of these things. Now, does that sound good if I'm a waitress working two jobs, just, or even not working right now, but if I was working normally two jobs just to make ends meet for my my couple kids and, you know... No, I don't want to hear that, like, the market will solve things over a long period of time. I mean, right. you know, societies have come and gone, but human civilization has kept going. So I have a belief that housing will continue to be more accessible for people and there will be more options. But the reality is, is in the short run and, you know, in the medium term, we have to make intentional steps. And, and in this sense... You know, relying on some government assistance, relying on, you know, the, the charitable donations of others or programs out there. Um, will it get better in Traverse City in the short term? I sincerely hope so. But the math and the reality would say it probably won't. Right. I, I got to ask a quick question. Does Homestretch build stick built or is there prefabbed homes? We've built, built? stick built historically. We have looked at some prefab options. We've we've not done any panelized construction at this point or um, modular or mobile homes. Okay. So our builds are stick built. Right. So we're building one on 8th Street right now, which is uh, Dr. Smyka's office parking lot. So that, that kind of two-story L-shaped apartment, if you've driven by there, by the cemetery. Oh, yeah. 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 So we're yeah, building yeah, that right yeah. now. Nice. Stick built. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm Which, just I'm just trying to look at like the longevity of these because sometimes sure. I feel like that's part of the housing problem too. Is, is the trap of a poorly built home? Some of these paper mache houses Correct. that I grew up in in the '80s are right. like throwaway houses today. Well, like, so one of my first jobs salvaging. in banking had to do with like really odd collections work, and a guy made a bunch of money bringing beat up mobile homes all across the country to. Hurricane Katrina victims, yeah. and, and these are homes that like I remember that they would blow down in a like a normal gust. You, you always have people willing to help solve a problem. You know, snake oil salesmen, sh charlatans, yeah. if they will. But we are building quality built homes. 
you know, we are looking at more what I would call zero environmental impact build. One of our board members, Sarna Salzman, executive director at Seeds, a local nonprofit who is passionate about this, brings that to the table where we're trying to say, yes, we're going to build quality built, you know, zero emission or, or these things that are very important to people. And I really like that we're looking at that. So quality is yeah. key. So you touched on this earlier. It's very clear. Local news, real estate market in Traverse City is exploding. Ban- another Bonanza. billion dollar, you know, another billion dollar plus year, right? Sure. December 2020 was the best in history. It was the best year since 2016. All that. How heavily are you tied to the current state of real estate or are you kind of insulated from that? On all angles, I'm pretty heavily involved. So I finance a lot of real estate at the credit union. So we do a lot of real estate financing, whether it's investment property or commercial property. And then, you know, obviously people doing mortgages, we're, we're seeing the housing business. I work with a lot of realtors and then on home stretch, we see that effect. So now, but more is home stretch affected as much? In by... a sense, it is because it drives the cost of land up, right? And so if we're going to develop, we're going to buy a piece of property that somebody else owns essentially we have to buy the land from a current owner. And so if their option is, well, I could be charitable and sell it to home stretch at a, a reasonable cost, or I'm going to look at a 2020 speculative cost. I want that money. It smells real mm-hmm. good. It feels mm-hmm. real nice in your yeah. hands. So we are affected. And so it does create you know, a little bit more pencil sharpening and negotiating. And our executive director, and, and forgive me for waiting this long to say his name, John Stimson is an amazing executive director of the organization, his ability to make partnerships and bridge gaps and bring other people to the table has been phenomenal with the way we're looking at trying to keep this organization going. So some of that is really required. And, and people understand it's a need. Yeah. The challenge is, is, you know, we can have so many people clamoring that it's a need and only so few people will do something about sure. it. Sure. And you mentioned the project on 8th Street. Any other projects you can talk about that are yeah. current or upcoming? So we've got a project here close to the studio. So the one on 8th Street, Oakwood Townhomes, it's a six-unit multifamily. We've got an eight-unit going up in honor that we're working with the township. On Fern Street, again, a lot of these are in that Traverse Heights neighborhood where land was cheap when we bought it or were able yeah. to get in on the deal. We're looking at a duplex. However, with recent zoning changes in the works, we may be able to put more units on it. So we're still bound okay. by local governmental ordinances. Um, Carver. Oh, yeah, so okay. Carver, we're looking at a 10-unit property. We've got a 10-unit we're looking at it in Leelanau County. And if you looked at the ticker recently, the Traverse City Business yep. News ticker, we're actually working with Lormac Stern, the developer of the former Kmart in Acme. So we're looking to put a 30-unit- Saw the story. You're a part of that. Affordable housing piece in it. And so that's us. You know, I think originally, like, John and I had both read an article about Lormac Stern taking over the Kmart, and I had emailed one of the people there to set up a meeting, and he had emailed another person there to set up a meeting, and then it's like, we're coming at them from every way, trying to be like, hey, you know, they talked about affordable housing in a when they bought it, so like, oh, hey, we're putting our hand up. We want to jump in. We want to figure out how to partner. And you know how to do it, and you can And we know how to do it. And there's a lot of other organizations in town doing a lot of great work. Goodwill has done a lot of good work with housing. Traverse City Housing Commission and Tony Lenti over there, he's done a phenomenal job working with other uh, for-profit and nonprofit organizations to to move the needle. And 
it's going to take, you know, like it's like raising a child. It takes a village. Right. And to, we're not going to solve this. I understand that, like, you know, people use the word crisis. Unfortunately, it's repercussions of just the nature of the world that we live in. And so we've got to figure it out. Right. Right. Well, um, there are ways to contribute. There's There are ways to donate. There are. In very unique ways, correct? We have a couple. So, I mean, financially, we always will take some money. And I mean, from, can you go to the website for that? I, if you can't, we will, I think maybe we can put out contact information, but I believe at the website we have contact information and so um, you can... homestretchhousing.org. Homestretchhousing.org. And so because we do have contact information, you can get on there and reach out to us to provide a donation, which we would very much appreciate. And we are a nonprofit, so it is tax deductible. If you are a landowner or a property owner, there are some interesting ways that you could donate or partially donate your property. Um, there are also some certain tax advantages that you could take advantage of. You know, if you were to gift us use of the land, let's say you had a big piece of property and you had you were going to do something on one portion and you wanted to gift us the other portion, there's some huge benefits there. And then another big way people can help is to be an advocate. So when you see whether it's a home stretch or a Traverse City Housing Commission or a Goodwill or another organization, a Housing North that's looking to work on affordable housing, speak up. Because the the old mantra of these Section 8 towers, I mean, people think Cabrini Green. When they think affordable housing, they think Cabrini Green in Chicago. Yep. It's a giant tower where it's... It's where I'm from. I remember. It's And there, those buildings aren't even there anymore. I remember it was a few years it's ago. It's a got, very gentrified neighborhood They now. got torn down. And yep. so people have this misnomer that affordable housing is the ghetto, you know, and I'm blight. using air quotes right here, or it's a right. blight, or there's yeah. crime and poverty, when in the fact is, these are people you see every single day. These are the people at the grocery store. These are the people that are serving your food at your favorite restaurants. These are the people that, you know, are driving your kids to school on buses. These are people that are the fabric of our community, and we can't forget about them. So be an advocate yeah. if you can't do anything else. And, you know, with the aforementioned... Uh housing project in a much larger city and a much older project. I mean, one could say that it was actually like a failed project through trial and error, through like right. our own social experiment well, it, it as feels a nation. like Homestretch right. is invested. You're, you're not just building it and forgetting it. You're Correct. here in the community. It's hard to not see those people at the grocery store. Yeah. These are in... I always had a you know a soft spot for for single moms. Hey, no, <laughs> everyone gets a laugh out of that. But the, the reality is, is I've been a single parent and I get the struggle. And when I'm fortunate and I can help people, I do. And when I, I'm not, I understand the the plight. And from a personal perspective, I'm a complete you know, I'm a, I'm pretty much an anarchist. I want no government involved in the lives of people because I truly believe the the long term economic incentive for people is to be kind honest, truthful, and good business people. Like, we're all going to do the right thing because in the long term, that's going to make us me better off Right. because you're not going to come out to try to get revenge, right? So other than that, though, I know that if I want my community to be better, I got to take part in it. Like, I can't just sit back and point fingers and blame and yeah. do nothing. So I think that's why we live in a smaller community is the fact that we we can. It's a great place to be a and part And you of. don't have distance as an excuse. You don't have time as an excuse necessarily. 
I think that's amazing. The website is homestretchhousing.org. Great website. All the information if you want to apply. Uh, are, are you taking we any are, current we're applications? We're always taking or? current applications. So that's like the, the tail or the head, right? So people are always reaching out to us to, to have housing, and we may not have any available at that time. But as we build our lists and have demand, one, if there's an opening, we'll, we're going through applicants. Two, because it's a somewhat arduous screening process and people who feel like they might fit, they may not. So it's like the more people we have, but it also helps us push us and say, oh, shoot, we've got 45 people that want housing that all qualify that are already in our purview. We got to find something to do. Right. So that's motivation. It's motivation. And we are <laughs> very motivated right now. That's incredible. And again, uh, opportunities to donate. You can find on the website if you have a home, if you have land, please reach out, homestretchhousing.org. Jeff, thank you so much for your pursuits. Thank you, guys. To all those who pursue along with you, helping people find a home with dignity, giving them a place to live, maybe work, maybe raise a family. This is amazing. Thank you so much. And everybody, thank you all for listening and for pursuing the positive. Hey, thanks again for joining us on the Pursuit of Podcast. One more time, that's homestretchhousing.org. Stop in, show your support, spread the love, advocate. And also, we want to give a shout out to our supporters, Urban Meds in Traverse City, Michigan. That's at hnmwellnessstore.com. And also to Tin Lid Hat Company. That's tinlidco.com. Use promo code the pursuit of for both websites. Special discounts to our listeners. We'll see you next week.